All right, Jeremy, what do you have today? The reason you might be breathing in smoke from Canada, the Trump-Kennedy winning ticket, and more J6 terror. What do you have? I have the reason we're breathing in smoke. Korans are burning in Sweden, and now we have the worst air quality in the world. It's not a coincidence, Jeremy. Okay, people, let's begin. We have liftoff. Get up, everybody. Are you ready to be baited with the truth? Good, because you're listening to the Truth Bait Podcast. I'm documentary filmmaker and podcaster Andrew Marcus. And with me always as we deconstruct America's propaganda war is the only wise guy you should be listening to. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the one, the only rebel pundit, Jeremy Siegel. wise guy jeremy yeah the only I'm, wise guy i, I never identified you were a, as a smart wise aleck guy. you were a smart aleck last time today you're a wise guy i identified as a smart aleck i was going to uh say that you were the only wise man that uh people should be listening to but i thought you might not like that well I never identify as a wise guy. I have identified <laughs> as a smart aleck. Yeah, I don't know that we can stick with that. It's not very confidence building. People, oh, I'm listening to a smart aleck. I don't, wise guys, a, a, a baby step, you know, in the right direction, I think. But we got to, we have to come up, you got to come up with something good that you like. Smart, Let's, smart, credibility establishing. Two. Let's, it could be, we could merge the two. I could just be smart guy. The only smart guy you should be listening to? Mm. It's not as catchy. It doesn't roll off. No. It's not rolling off the tongue. <laughs> no. Sometimes the truth this has is been hard. A huge... Sometimes the truth is hard to hear. Oh, tell it to people <laughs> who have been watching Supreme Court uh, Supreme Court decisions coming coming down. Oh yeah. <laughs> It's hard for me to even get out. It, it, today, I don't even have these clip, but we had major decisions come down today. Yes, there was uh, somebody uh, somebody who sued because, or was sued because they didn't want to uh, build a website. Was I don't even have the details of it, but it's a gay. It's like the gay wedding cake. It was a gay right. website, I guess. Uh, no, some yeah. I don't, uh, it was, so actually, I read a little bit about it. Um, I I didn't pull any clips either, but it's a web designer, I guess, in Colorado, and she actually filed a lawsuit based on a hypothetical scenario. I think because of the cake law or, can, or the Supreme Court initiative. Uh, that was what I suing. That was what I read. I, I I'm not exactly clear, but huh. yeah. So, but evidently it was basically to determine whether or not she had to uh, serve a same-sex couple if they had requested you know, her services to build them a website or something for their wedding or something to that effect. Um, 
And so everybody's up in arms because the court had ruled that she would not have to do that. That that would be because it's a creative uh, type of business that that her free speech rights would be infringed upon if she were forced to work in that way. I fail to see the difference between that and baking a cake. I thought that was a creative venture also. No, you're going to have to have it for every single field and every single endeavor. You're going to have to have, I, I, I mean, I, I can't even imagine how many different scenarios where you'd have to drop that in. It's good. Where somebody yes. would be it's required to work in a, so you've got, cater, you know, it would be other catering, florists. Uh, I, I can't even imagine what else. So everybody's running around, you know, all freaking out because this pay this this gives you a right to discriminate against somebody uh, that's not even the only one that they're freaking out about jeremy there was another one that came down today which uh, has all the students uh and and those holding student debt who've had a vacation from their student debt for the last three years uh they that's is has been ruled unconstitutional biden's student debt forgiveness so these cases are coming fast and furious. Uh, I think they should is, forgive their debt. Uh, you mean you think we should all forgive their debt? Yeah. Give them the Who's money. They? They've Who's been this ripped. they? These people went into these schools have been ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree with you that they've been ripped off. I don't agree with you that you and I should have to pay for that. Oh no! We're I don't think we should have anyway. to pay. It doesn't matter. No, we the shouldn't gu- have to pay for it. the schools. Should have to give them their money back. Uh, yes, that I one hundred percent agree with. Oh, and, that's not what the court ruled on. Go. That's not what the court ruled on. Well, uh, no, they just ruled that Biden's plan for forgiving student loan debt is unconstitutional. I believe. Again, this is just came down today. I've yeah, have not been in any position to I really take it. a look at it and I I didn't I haven't clipped anything from that. I did clip from the what really is the big one that everyone has been freaking out about until today when there's new stuff to freak out about and that was the uh ruling on uh racial preferences in admissions to uh, higher education, uh, Harvard and oh, uh, was a University of North Carolina. I I don't know what the second one was. Harvard was the big name, um, and the media. I don't have a I don't have a ton. We're not going to go too deep into it, but I did grab some media reaction. This is Joy Reid on the readout, MSNBC. And that is where we begin tonight, with the United States Supreme Court once again turning the arc of justice away from equality and back to the early 20th century, striking down the use of affirmative action in college admissions. It is fitting, then, that it would be the court's first black woman justice, Ketanji Brown Jackson, who clearly articulated the cost of this latest regression, writing in her dissent, with let them eat cake obliviousness today, the majority pulls the ripcord and announces colorblindness for all by legal fiat. But deeming race irrelevant in law does not make it so in life. The best that can be said of the majority's perspective is that it proceeds ostrich-like from the hope that preventing consideration of race 
will end racism. The Warren Court ended racial segregation in public schools, expanded voting rights. She's uh, not war on court or war in court, the Warren Court, uh, Chief Justice Warren. The Warren Court ended racial segregation in public schools, expanded voting rights, upheld free speech, legalized interracial marriage, and paved the way for legalizing abortion. I would just point out that the Warren Court only had one black person and was all male. So I maybe she's advocating that that's what we go back to. All landmark changes moving us forward. But this Supreme Court, the Roberts Court, or perhaps I should call it the Alito Court, will definitely go down in history as the opposite, yanking back American progress in direct repudiation of the Warren Court and the 20th century. Justice Sonia Sotomayor, the first Latina to sit on the court, acknowledged as much in her dissent writing that this court stands in the way and rolls back decades of precedent and momentous progress. The devastating impact of this decision cannot be overstated. The majority's vision of race neutrality will entrench racial segregation in higher education because racial inequality will persist so long as it is ignored. And one justice in particular seemed to revel in pulling up the ladder behind himself. Justice Clarence Thomas, who has acknowledged that he has benefited from affirmative action. In a frankly gleeful concurrence, Thomas wrote, even in the segregated South where I grew up, individual. Listen to the tone. <laughs> she, you know, she's now, this is now the third justice she's quoting. And it, the first two, she is very, uh, well, she doesn't do what she does in this one. Frankly gleeful concurrence. Thomas wrote, Even in the segregated South where I grew up, individuals were not the sum of their skin color. While I am painfully aware of the social and economic ravages which have befallen my race and all who suffer discrimination, I hold out enduring hope that this country will live up to its principles. Aw. (laughs) I think she might have a problem (laughs) with with black men. (laughs) I don't know. She seems incredibly angry with him. Outsized of anything else she's like it's personal sound, which is why i'm wondering yeah, she if she's got some like, personal problem with him she sounds like she does not like clarence thomas at all oh my gosh it's it, it, yeah it's easy to see why you might come to that conclusion let's just i just <laughs> want to play one more time listen to how she sounds when she's quoting him who is she he is a distinguished member of the supreme court and she is a hack who wasn't she busted lying about speaking of hack claiming that somebody hacked her Twitter profile and made offensive comments about homosexuals years ago. Yes. And it was all BS. It was all her. She was the one doing it. Yeah. This is who is judging Clarence Thomas. In a frankly gleeful concurrence, Thomas wrote, even in the segregated South where I grew up, Individuals were not the sum of their skin color. While I am painfully aware, painfully aware of the social and economic ravages which have befallen my race, how <laughs> belittling which have befallen my race, and all who suffer discrimination, I hold out enduring hope that this country will live up to its principles. Well, and what what's amazing is what does she just present this? Black woman in a position of power on television is presenting the arguments 
of Sotomayor, uh, Clarence Thomas, and Katanji Brown Jackson. Three minorities. By the way, she completely <laughs> mis- she completely misused the word concurrence there. Didn't he have a concurring opinion? Wasn't that his concurring opinion? I don't think so. That would huh. be What do you how would you Oh, she's saying that's a Oh, that's his yeah, agreeing Thomas wrote a opinion. Concurring opinion. With yes. okay. So I I was taking yep. it the other. All right, then that's my mistake. I'm sorry, Joy Reed. Right, the other two were <laughs> dissenting opinions. Okay. So she's she but but think about that. Everybody in this entire conversation is a minority. Every single one of them. And all she's outraged because America is so racist. And here she makes this comment, and this is the last thing I'll play from her. Thomas said the policies at UNC and Harvard fly in the face of our colorblind constitution. The constitution that at one point deemed him to be three-fifths of a human being. This is the dumbest thing. I hear this repeatedly from... People like Joy Reid. Jeremy, are you aware of why they did that? Why the Constitution counted slaves as three-fifths of a person? Yes. Well, it's yes, I am. I'm very familiar with it. Yeah, it has to do with the fact that slave owners wanted their slaves counted as whole people so that they could use them in the census and have greater representation in the Congress. It was specifically the framers attempting to not allow slaveholders to just buy people and increase their power in the federal government. It was an anti-racist move. Right. That's exactly right. And they weren't able to vote. So they were trying to have enough representation in the Congress by counting slaves, each individual slave as a member of the population and so that they would be uh, they would have a greater enumeration in the House of Representatives, but those people wouldn't be voting and they would have then an eternal lock on slave trade in this country continuing to yes. occur. So, yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was a way of preventing slaveholders from leveraging their slaves for power. Though I kind of love when people use that argument because it demonstrates to me immediately how ignorant they are. Or dishonest. Right. It's one of the two. And it can't be both. Well, <laughs> okay. I don't <laughs> You could be ignorant in general, but not ignorant on that topic. Uh here was, this went viral. You may have heard this. This was President Biden's off-the-cuff reaction. The, the audio might be hard to listen to, but I, 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 I uh, sweetened it to try and uh, help make it easier to hear. Biden, the Congressional Black Caucus said the Supreme Court has thrown into question its own legitimacy. Is this a rogue court? This is not a normal court. Should there be term limits for the justices, sir? Did you hear what he gargled out? Did he say this is <laughs> not a rogue court? 
He said, it's amazing. He, he can't say anything. That's how you know that it's really him and he's he's got dementia. The guy can't talk. He's a really good actor. It's not a normal court. He said, it's not a normal court. This is okay. not a normal court. This is not a normal court. Should there be- it's so, not a normal court. It's got a whole bunch of people on it that are completely unqualified for the job. Are you sure that that's not normal? Maybe it is. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's perfectly normal. <laughs> uh, so now he then backtracks. Uh, he went on MSNBC and uh, did an interview in studio in New York. And I, I don't have the. I didn't clip this part of it because you can't. There's nothing to hear. But at the end of this interview, he stands up and walks off stage in the most bizarre way. He doesn't wait for the end of the segment so either something <laughs> so, I, so serious was happening that he had to he had to get off stage so that he could talk to his aide and be filled in on the urgent situation or he had to go potty i was gonna say or, i think he yeah. might have needed an emergency uh assistance with his depends <laughs> something sorry for the uh, gross well, here, image but, he, but here's the here's he the clip took off <laughs> Here's him. Here's him backpedaling uh, the uh, on his comment, saying that it's it's not a normal court. You said this court is not normal. What did you mean? What I meant by that is it's done more to unravel basic rights and basic decisions than any court in recent history, and uh, that's what I meant by not normal. It's 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 gone out of its way to. I mean, for example, take a look at overruling Roe v. Wade. Take a look at what the decision today. Take a look at how it's uh, how it's ruled on a number of issues that are have been precedent for 50, 60 years sometimes. And that's what I meant by not normal. Okay. Not normal. <laughs> cool. Next, do the trans issue, <laughs> Mr. President. <laughs> how normal is that? Yeah. How normal has that been over the last 50 or 60 years? Totally normal. And, and by the way, is it? Wait, what was that? Totally normal. Absolutely. And this is the this is from the party of fundamental transformation, Jeremy. We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. That was very strange. Did you hear that in just one channel? Or did you hear that in both channels? Sounded okay to me, I think. I, I, I'm going to play it one more time. We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. No, oh, that must be some... It's just got to be in the recording. Mm. But now, they're afraid of transformational change. Fundamental transformation. Well, they don't want a fundamental... They want to go back. They don't want a fundamental reversal. They're getting a well, fundamental uh, reversal. All I know is Joanne Reed wants to go back to the Warren court when it was uh, all men. <laughs> and uh, Biden wants to hold on to 50, 60 years of tradition. I think they need to embrace the fundamental change. We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Yeah, well, it's here, baby. Everybody's getting their change and eating it too. 
Uh, uh, CBS. CBS. CBS went to. Hold on. They had to find somebody. Had to find somebody in the administration with a brain. Let's go back to the White House and listen to what Vice President Harris had to say today. The disappointment is because this is now a moment where the court has not fully understand the importance of equal opportunity for the people of our country. <laughs> Ed, when- <laughs> that was all they played from her. <laughs> that was all they played from her. Listen to that again. Listen to the, she makes a flub in there. Did you hear the flub she makes? Well, she says equal opportunity. I thought they were looking for equal outcome. Well, yes, you're right. Good point. The disappointment is because I, is, this is now. What? We're the ones that What's are that? always saying equal opportunity. We're always saying we should have equal opportunity. But you don't, that doesn't guarantee an equal outcome. And it sounds like she's now right. arguing for what we're arguing for. I think she screwed up. Uh, well, yeah, she made a couple of mistakes. Opening her mouth was the biggest one. <laughs> a moment where the court has not fully understand the... Imp- where the court has not fully understand. Yeah, that's perfectly <laughs> correct English. <laughs> I think no, she must do very well with the whole pronoun issue, since she's not worried about following the rules. She um, might have been accepted into school based on her race and not her brain. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, where is it? There we go. It's <laughs> a bomb dropping there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see here. I have. Um, oh, so here is ABC News. And I'm going to give ABC News credit for they're the only one that did something, one little thing that's very important here. Let me play them. The court's opinion exempts the U.S. military academies from today's ban on affirmative action in admissions. Chief Justice Roberts saying they present potentially distinct interests. That drew sharp sarcasm from Justice Jackson. Yeah, how about that? That is quite a a piece of hypocrisy. The uh, removal of racial... Uh, d- uh, the racial component of, of of entry into armed forces, that's okay. <laughs> that they can still do. The court's opinion exempts the U.S. military academies from today's ban on affirmative action in admissions. Chief Justice Roberts saying they present potentially distinct interests. That drew sharp sarcasm from Justice Jackson, who retorted, racial diversity in higher education is only worth potentially preserving insofar as it might be needed to prepare black Americans and other underrepresented minorities for success in the bunker, not the boardroom. She's got a point. I think I'm going to agree with the woman that doesn't know what a woman is on that (laughs) point. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That one I'm going to agree with. Yeah. Now, here's what they did that no other... I didn't see any other organization cover that point. The other thing that that they did that I didn't see any other organization do... So, the... The, the lawsuit that was in front of the Supreme Court, it was two different suits, two different students, one from Harvard, one from UN, UNC, uh, USC, USC. And uh, 
I didn't. I haven't. I didn't have time to check the student from USC. The student from Harvard, though. The, this is. These are Asians that are that are filing these suits, Jeremy. Yeah. These aren't even European uh, ancestry Americans that are that are filing these suits. They're Asians, mm-hmm. and these media responses basically have the Asian community completely unrepresented in the response. They are invisible in this story for almost all of these news organizations, save for ABC that brought on an Asian person. Alex Shea, who will go to Brown University this fall, telling us... It does make me feel a little bit uncomfortable knowing that in that admissions office, when they were deciding whether they were going to accept me, reject me, that they might have been considering my race. Because I I think that that's not something that I can control or that anyone can control. And I think that it's unfair to judge someone based on that. So, you know, I'll give them credit. They One tiny drop in the narrative... Well, they didn't lead with him. They buried him towards the back, but easy for that guy to Chinese splain himself out of that one. <laughs> I just love how literally that you can't find any white Americans of European ancestry, villain number one. You can't find them anywhere in this story. <laughs> they didn't file the suit. They didn't. The the court that judged it was completely multi gender, multi ethnic, multi brained. This was America. This is that is the that is America. (laughs) But apparently, it it signals the destruction of all progress. Do you think it's going to change anything? Nothing. You just walked into my next clip. What I mean by unstated affirmative action is... This just started going around. This is uh, Berkeley Law School. This is Dean my Irwin. clip. This is, this <laughs> okay. is executive... Do you have the whole per- clip? I have a 59 second, but I didn't... Okay, because the entire clip is really important. Good. Yeah, okay, you have that, the whole no, clip. The, no, you can... I didn't clip it, though, because she's uh, okay. executive producer and sent it last minute. So I don't have the audio prepared. So you, you Very wise of her to send this because... And I didn't even... I clipped this for the last two seconds of the clip. Listen. What I mean by unstated affirmative action is, what if the college or university doesn't tell anybody, doesn't make any public statements, but still wants to... I'll give you an example from our law school, but if ever I'm deposed, I'm going to deny I said this to you. Um, When we do faculty hiring, we're quite conscious that diversity is important to us. And we say diversity is important. It's fine to say that. But I'm very careful when we have a faculty appointments committee meeting. Anytime somebody says, you know, we should really prefer this candidate over this candidate because this person would add diversity, don't say that. You can think it. You can vote it, but our discussions are not privileged, so don't ever articulate that that's what you're doing. Well, that works more easily with regard to faculty hiring. With regard to student admissions, it becomes more difficult because it's a statistical measure. What do you think he's talking about there? The statistical measure that makes it difficult. I don't know. What is it? SAT and ACT, specific numbers that you can benchmark a student by. Uh 
And this is why I don't think that it's going to make any difference whatsoever. The university saw this coming. They've all been ditching all of their test score required. You don't even have to submit SAT or ACT for most of these schools anymore. They're eliminating any objective standard. Is that so right? So that everything can be subjective. They're going to data mine and find out everything they need to know about you. They don't need to ask. You don't need to tell. They're already going to know. It doesn't matter. They're, they've just removed everything objective so that there's no way to know how they decided. They're going to be able to declare, we didn't decide based on race. Yeah. And Who would know? It's kind of like what they opened people up to was or what they opened their doors up to was the world of privilege that you get get going to these schools uh, that I think was always there. There's to me, there's some legitimate, uh, there's some legitimate reason to complain. If you believe this, these schools are something you need because they've it's, it's always been allowing people into the school that don't belong there based on their merits. They've got a connection. Their father went there. Right. Their uncle went sure. there. And there was it, that it, whole scandal of, and it of, enables of rich them, people buying spots for their right. kids. And it enables these, them the access area. to the networking opportunities and the job opportunities yes. that come with being part of the elite club. And so... I think in a lot of ways, that's what affirmative action did was it just said, okay, you can't just let your niece into the elite club anymore. You have to let so-and-so into the elite club also because the education they get are garbage. If you talk to these people, I, I I don't remember the last time I met somebody from Harvard that I thought was smart. Oh, I've met plenty of people. <laughs> I've met pl- plenty of brilliant people coming off of these campuses, but I think they're brilliant to begin with. And there's they're the what what they're really uh, one of the things that makes them uh, successful is that they're able to tune out the noise and and get to the quality around them because there is a lot of quality to be had on these campuses. They're just it's becoming less and less, and it's crowded out by all of this uh, like I said political noise. Um, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, you know, eliminate all of that. I think one of the best ways they could do this is, you know, eliminate all government funding for the campuses, for the student loan programs, and then if you need to, you funnel money into communities that that you know are historically disadvantaged by the caste system, and the universities will be begging for them to come in because they're going to want the cash. If you want to do that, otherwise you just eliminate all of the, you know, all the loopholes in. Are you encouraging your kids to go to college? Wait, meanwhile, if they're sending people to jail for, they're sending rich people to jail, you know, country club jail for short terms, but they sent them to jail. They publicly humiliated them for buying their their access in. Uh, like I said, this the scandal with the the athletics departments, the, mm-hmm. the the ghost positions on the on the teams, on the rowing teams, and on the tennis teams. Uh, the, why then is it okay? Why do we encourage other people to have a special way in? Shouldn't. Shouldn't those people be arrested too? 
It's the double standard that's the problem. No. Yes? Well. No. (laughs) Hello? I mean, I think these places are... It's pretty bad when I put you to sleep. (laughs) No, well, I thought you were going to... I thought you were going to keep going. I thought you were going to keep going. I thought it was one of those moments where you... You sounded like you were on a oh. rant. <laughs> okay, gotcha. No, I'm done. I just that's that's the there. It is imbalanced on both sides. I was agreeing with you and, and acknowledging that there's also a flip side to the coin. But like I said, you know, are you in, do you are you encouraging your kids to go to college? I have made sure that my kids know that there are many other opportunities. Yeah, but it's up to them to decide. I mean, I remember. I just let them know that I think there are other opportunities and that there are other pathways so that they know I would be okay with it because I know that's important to it. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was at that age and I mean, it was just automatic. You had to go to college. Everybody was going to college. And, you know, I mean, that was it. And I I didn't go to college. I went to, I went to, uh, and now art you're a college. podcaster. I went, to an art, I went to an art college for a little while in uh, Chicago. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got an art degree too. We're both podcasters. I Congratulations. Didn't a, I didn't get a degree. I quit. <laughs> I didn't fit in because I had like the color hair I was born with and I never dyed it purple or anything like that. But yeah. I, you know, I'm pretty happy I decided not to. It was definitely something I didn't need to do. I mean, there's, it, it, I think it's it's fine if there's a specific uh, career you must obtain a degree for. But otherwise, like, that's, look at these all these people demanding their, I, I would be demanding my money back too. You know, I would want my loans deferred or forgiven because I spent all this money, as Andrew Breitbart said, going to university for four years while all the kids from other countries were there studying as hard as they could, becoming doctors and going back to their countries to work in a better job. And all I did was sit here and learn how to protest. And he paid two hundred thousand dollars for it. Buyer beware. <laughs> buyer beware. I'm not saying they're right. I'm saying I get it. <laughs> I think you can harm those universities just as well by cutting off the spigot from the federal government. Absolutely. The, the federal government supports all of these campuses. They yeah. will all fold. Because it's making their future slaves. Yep. And a different yep. class of slaves. This is, these are slaves that have money, but don't know they're slaves. And are, and are willing. Yeah. <laughs> they're absolutely. willing to be slaves. Yep. They embrace it. They get mm-hmm. angry if you try to wake them up. Yeah. Uh, did you see, did you see that Geraldo, did you see the thing with Geraldo that he got fired from the five and then he quit Fox News? I just saw something and I was going to. I didn't. He had posted some video from his boat or something, and from I, his boat. <laughs> could th- 
just have come across more pretentious. And I clipped this because because he was on the. Not, I didn't care the, about the news <laughs> that he's that he's off the five. I couldn't have told you he was still on the five. I never watched the five. I, I don't watch Fox News. He quit Fox News. Oh, that's a bummer. I might see him now. The the <laughs> he's a terrible broadcaster. Listen to this. This is why I, I clipped this because I, doing it from his boat. I, he must not understand how snobbish that looks. And he stumbles. He can't get to the point. Listen to this. Off Jones Beach Inlet. Could he have picked a better audio uh, situation? He's on a he's on a motorboat uh, uh, on the water, going top speed. The wind is so much that he has to take his hat off, and his hair is blowing in the breeze. Uh, in the wind, not the breeze. In the wind, you can barely hear him. Off. Jones Beach Inlet. See the tower? Very, very bumpy. Lumpy day, lumpy day out in. Lumpy day, lumpy day. <laughs> I mean, that must be something the yachters say. <laughs> lumpy day, lumpy day out in the uh, North Atlantic Ocean. So, off Jones Beach, heading for the World Trade Center. Making pretty good time. He's talking about making pretty good time. <laughs> He's giving a traffic update. Making pretty good time. Anyway, in the holiday rush hour traffic, I'd probably go faster on the boat than you would uh, <laughs> trying the Long Island Expressway. So it doesn't look like I'm going to be on the 5. I mean, I'm not going to be on the 5. I've been fired from the 5. And as a result of that, I quit Fox. So... I'll have more to say about that on Fox and Friends tomorrow morning. Thank you. <laughs> so wow. wait a second. He, wait, wait, wait. He quit, he quit Fox. On Fox and Friends. I more to say about up. that on Fox and Friends tomorrow morning. He quit Fox, but the, but the breaking uh, news, his, his first on-air response will be on Fox. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, well, that's kind of, I don't know how Fox could let him get away. That guy, is he's the, the most famous investigative reporter in the history of mankind. I mean, didn't you remember I him to, digging up Capone? Oh. <laughs> Opening up Capone's vault yeah. on live television, that's an the, hours long special in Chicago. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah, I was in Chicago you, for I that. was too. I was too. That was like the best. That was probably the best scam any investigative reporter ever came up with. To He totally launched his career off of that gigantic right. fake news story. Right. He proved, you're right, it was a fake news story. He, he proved that there's no such thing as bad press. It was a total embarrassment for him. A complete and utter failure that launched his career. Totally worked. <laughs> totally worked. Genius. Do you know I I have an idea? <laughs> Go for a podcast. <laughs> Let's recreate it. We could recreate maybe we could find the real Capone vault even if it's not. <laughs> and that would launch Truthbait podcast into the stratosphere. 
We could be on the five uh, one day. We could be fired from the five one day. <laughs> yeah, and we could, I love that. His we whole, could talk his whole about identity. it on our yacht outside the Statue of Liberty. Right, right. His whole identity is wrapped up in the five. That that once he was fired from the five, there was no reason for him to stay on Fox. Yeah, no, I'm quitting. That's it. I'm quitting. I'm out of here. But there's definitely I'm something to be my said. sailboat with me. There's something to be said for those audio guys at Fox. I think they're doing a good job because between <laughs> Geraldo's clip here and at least the first clip I watched of Tucker on Twitter, right? I thought, boy, yep. he sure could use an audio guy like he used to have because does he even oh, have a microphone least, here in this studio? At least Tucker got to the point. I mean, let's how far? Let's see. Trying the Long Island Expressway. So it doesn't look like I'm going to be... Yeah, 29 <laughs> seconds into his clip, he finally says, it doesn't look like I'm going to be there. And then he has to correct himself because it, he's not observing that. He knows he's not going to be there. He's not going to be there. But do you think from his own twisted mind, like this was some sort of like it actually was like just going and being a snob on purpose? Like, I don't care. I'm out on my boat. Like, do you think I care that I'm not on the five anymore? Oh, yeah, maybe. I suppose. I, but then why like, is he going back on Fox again? I mean, <laughs> that's, that's, well, that's, that's crazy weird. about yeah. this. That's weird. By the way, Andrew, you're I'm quitting the Truth Bait podcast. I will tell you about <laughs> it on the next episode Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> and I want everyone to know that I'm going to so have everybody exclusive knows. comments. Yeah. I'm going to have breaking exclusive comments of Jeremy Siegel explaining <laughs> why he has been let go from the Truth Bay podcast. No, I on quit. On the next Truth no, Bay podcast. I wasn't let go. I quit. This is why it's a controversy. You're going to have to tune in to get the real story, people. <laughs> Only yeah. on the Truth Bay podcast. All right. <laughs> Oh, did you see this clip? This I pulled from Gateway Pundit. Uh, The mayor of New York, Mayor Adams, got into a fight with a grandmother. She may not be a grandmother. I'm assuming she's an old lady. That's ageist. Uh, you can tell that she is an old lady just by looking at her. That's my lived experience. Again, I'm gonna I'm going to identify people by my lived experience uh, because I've been told that that is sacrosanct. Um, yeah, old woman. Here, listen. Again, this was a very tough clip to grab audio-wise. I've done my best to improve it, but uh, you can tell me if you don't understand her. Okay, first. So, did you hear what she was asking about? It's hard for me to hear that. Yeah, she was asking about rent increases, and that the mayor supported rent increases, and she's asking why are we being hit with such terrible rent increases? She, okay, you know, she's this elderly woman living in New York, trying to trying to you know make sure she can make ends meet and stay in stay in her home, probably. Okay, first, if you're going to ask a question, don't point at me and don't be disrespectful to me. I'm the mayor of this city, and treat me with the respect I I deserve to be treated. I'm speaking to you as an adult. Don't stand in front like you treated someone that's on the plantation that you own. Give me the respect I deserve. You got that? 
I heard <laughs> don't that. Don't treat me. Ah. Uh. I heard the that I, on this guy. I heard him say that, and the first thing I thought of is, "Aren't you on the plantation that she owns? Literally, the government." <laughs> Wait, don't, <laughs> don't we, Me, the people, uh, own the government? <laughs> is that a plantation? I'm not sure that's the image you want to convey, Jeremy. You're, this is why we don't have sponsors, man. No. <laughs> 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 Look, he's the one in a total position of power. He's the mayor. He's at the center of the dais here. She is this little old woman who's asking the question, is she upset? Yeah, she's upset. But he's calling her racist. He is an absolute child. You know, again, where I, I asked, you know, did, does Joanne Reed have a problem with black men with the way she like hit, made this personal attack against Clarence Thomas in a way that's so over the top that it seems to be just motivated by some bizarre personal situation? I'm asking the question again. Does this guy have a problem with elderly women? Old people. That he is like being, I think it's like he thinks he's being scolded by his grandmother and he reacts like a child. Treat me with the respect that would go to me. I'm the mayor of this city and treat me with the respect that would I deserve to be treated. I'm speaking to you as an adult. Don't stand in front like you treated someone that's on the plantation that you own. I think his grandmother scolded him too hard when he was a kid and it damaged him. And now this woman triggered him. Yeah, that, I think he was triggered. It definitely by her. sounded triggered. Yeah, it was completely outsized. From the worst she was doing was being a little impolite. But who cares? Who cares? You're out in public. This guy doesn't have the skin for it. Treat me with the respect that would I deserve to be treated. I'm speaking to you as an adult. Don't stand in front like you treated someone that's on the plantation that you own. Give me the respect I deserve and engage in the conversation up here in Washington Heights. Treat me with the same level of respect I treat you. So don't be pointing at me. Don't be disrespectful to me. Speak with me as an adult because I'm a grown man. I walked into this room as a grown man and I'm going to walk out of this room as a grown man. I answered your question. So that was him answering her question, was scolding her. And this whole thing with, I walked in as a man, I'm going to leave as a man. Like, I just, I'm picturing him talking to his grandmother, to his mother. That was weird. That was weird. Bizarre. Yeah. Maybe that, maybe whatever, I don't even know what was going on at the news conference, at that that event. And maybe that was the point, (laughs) was to make sure nobody was talking about what was happening at that event. And they're only talking about that. Well, the other thing, too, is, yeah, right, you only see that, right? I mean, at least in this clip. Yeah. You don't see the other stuff going on. So, no. like, you, I know, like, it, it's, po- it, it's possible he already suffered a barrage of attacks from people, and then this one set him off. Because I've seen that happen, especially at some of the events I used to cover out in the black communities in Chicago. Because the people there are so fed up with with the black Democrats that are running the community, and and you don't those are the those are the things that usually don't make it through to the mainstream media. They'll get so many irate citizens complaining about what they're doing, you know, and then eventually they snap. And then, and then, and, you know, they feel disrespect. <laughs> then they feel disrespect. <laughs> then they, then they turn it into, 
into they got enough complaints that are legitimate that the only thing they can turn to saying is now they they they're there uh getting standing there getting disrespected by you and deserve uh we deserve respect i came here respect just like he said i've seen that happen right he didn't want to answer about the rent he didn't want to talk about the rent increases and so he made it about her being racist yeah yeah he's that's a very clever democrat yeah i've seen that move before that's a common one what do you have that's on fire you have fire going on do you have smoke well, I stayed in all smoke? week. Did you stay in all week? I did stay did in heed, a little bit, did but you I had my windows open when I stayed in. You did. <laughs> well, you know, what was interesting, I've been seeing these warnings come across my phone for about two weeks now, and... It had gotten to the point where I was like, you know, this is propaganda. What is going on here? I'm not. This is the most beautiful weather. It was a a week solid of perfect weather, perfect skies, just perfect temperature, fantastic. And every day I'm getting these warnings. Don't go outside. Don't go outside. And I thought it was insane. And then all of a sudden, the reality caught up to the propaganda. (laughs) And a, a, a smoke misty cloud in, engulfed most of Wisconsin and Illinois. Mm-hmm. And, and where I did could the smell smoke, it. I, where did it come from? Well, it came from Canada. The Canadian arson fires. And did you notice any other like PSYOP type propaganda going around? Uh, how do you mean? Well, like I saw some. And I need to. I, I need to. I need to press you on the on the on that conspiracy theory you just floated. But go ahead. Well, <clears throat> what conspiracy theory? Oh, the arson. Oh, about them being arson, Jeremy. Yeah, total arson. Anyways, um, no, I saw like I started seeing things on Twitter. You know, pictures of the ma- people starting out were being poisoned. This isn't from fires. Uh, some guy going out had a testing kit, air tester, quality tester, walked out from his garage. Air quality's fine, goes outside. All of a sudden, there's unsafe levels of formaldehyde in the air. So, you, you know, you see that stuff yep. and you start wondering, at least I do. You know, did you experience the smoke? Yes. Well, what did it smell like to you? Did it smell like chemicals, like they were saying? I don't know what formaldehyde smells like. It, you know, it it smelled kind of smoky to me. You know, it wasn't right. like it that, wasn't like I was in the middle of a campfire. You know, I mean, it wasn't like but taking, it smelled like. It didn't smell chemically. It smelled or chemically, chemicalish. No, the air Chemic- is heavy and humid. The last, you know, this whole week, and it was like a, you know, it's like a thin layer of, you know, sort of dank smoke in the air, I guess. But it, yeah, I mean, I think it had an aura or you know of smokiness. So I didn't, it didn't smell like, I didn't like walk out somebody like, oh, chemicals, you know, I mean, that wasn't, but you start thinking about, 
the world that we live in now and you start seeing stuff like that, you know, it's kind of like the first place you go now is into Conspiracyville. Like, what is something going on here? Because to me, it was it's so it's a, it's another thing that's going on now that's so unusual, right? Like well, all of a sudden, I, there's we, malaria we, back in America, and now there's this. All the cities are covered in smoke. Everything is like, I mean, everything is like off now, the are charts. You, are, I know I saw people out there saying that this is not forest fires in Canada. That this is that they're doing this to the cities on purpose. I don't. I don't believe that. Uh, I, I. I have been traveling. The area is so widespread where this is happening. There is no way that this is something that is being done surreptitiously around the cities, and people don't know about it. If it is, it's the most magnificent plot ever. How much are they paying? It seems you? like it is something atmospheric occurring. <laughs> Did they pay you What's to say that? Did they pay you to say that? <laughs> Did we get a no, sponsorship? Elite university and I- <laughs> Did we get a sponsorship you haven't told me about yet? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I I watch France twenty four. It's time now for Truth or Fake, our daily fact checking segment, and I'm joined for that by Catalina Marchand Diabreu. Welcome to the program, Catalina. Um, Today, let's review the conspiracy theories uh, that are going viral on TikTok and Twitter about the Canadian wildfires. What have you got for us? Intense wildfires are still raging across Canada uh, as they could last all summer long, according to local politicians, uh, as these fires are forcing the evacuation of thousands across the country. Uh, Since uh, June 5th, uh, this account that regularly shares misinformation uh, has shared this uh, viral video with over 3 million views uh, with the caption that reads, how do that many fires all start at the same time? This is she's showing the image, uh, the time lapse of all of the fires of the smoke rising from uh, simultaneously from locations all across the province, like on a map uh, and on a map, yeah. on a satellite map across an entire province. Uh, So here's uh, the video uh, where we see these uh, satellite images uh, showing uh, these uh, fires in uh, Canada uh, spreading all at exactly the same uh, time, uh, which according to this user and to other conspiracy theorists that are sharing this video... uh, So now you know, they're conspiracy theorists (laughs) that are sharing this video. So it must be a fake video, right? And to other conspiracy theorists that are sharing this video, uh, these satellite images could be proof uh, that the Canadian wildfires were deliberately caused by perhaps the government rather than by climate change. Tom. (laughs) So now that's the that's the binary they've set up that they're going to now debunk. It was either started by the government or it was started by climate change. And the conspiracy theorists are the ones who don't think it was started by climate change. Okay, and are those uh, satellite images real then? There were two clues in the video that allowed us to find the... She's going to take you now through the investigation that they did. <laughs> this is some groundbreaking investiga- investigatory work. 
two clues in the video that allowed us to find the original satellite images. In the video, you could briefly see the words uh, go 16 and goes east on the upper right uh, of this video. So we searched these words online and we found that go 16 is an American satellite company owned by no other than NASA. So the she unmasked it from the numbers that were visible in the clip. <laughs> that is amazing. These images. And she did it on Google. Just that we saw. Those are real satellite images. Uh, then we also bumped into this uh, tweet sharing the video uh, where they mention uh, DuPage College's meteorology department uh, the sh that show the wildfires uh, on June 2nd out of Quebec, Canada, that as they claim all started at exactly the same uh, time. So with this information, we were easily able to find uh, the page where these exact satellite images are available. Now, get ready for the for the great debunking of these images. Uh, from here we have them from the past 24 hours and we search the area of interest to us which is uh, Quebec and here's a screenshot uh, that we took uh, from the website's archives from uh, June 2nd showing the wildfires that were actually raging that day in southern Quebec and you can see that these images uh, that we took are identical to those uh, that we retrieved from uh, uh, the GOES 16 satellite broadcast. Uh Wait, <laughs> did she just say they're the same? That's <laughs> what did. it sounded like. Yeah. ...to those uh, that we retrieved from... Uh, these images uh, that we took are identical to those uh, that we retrieved from uh, uh, the GOES-16 satellite broadcast uh, on the DuPage University website from uh, June 2nd. Okay, so how do we explain the fact that these uh, fires all started simultaneously, all in one day, it would appear? So, uh, so far, I haven't heard the conspiracy theory. <laughs> she, has, she has not debunked the conspiracy theory. She's confirmed it. She's confirmed that the clip is authentic and that the source was reputable. Well, in fact, according uh, to experts we spoke to, these uh, dozens of columns of smoke that appear in one single day are not unusual. Uh, what we should precise is that contrary to the claims, uh, they did not all occur at the same time. This is insane. She's about to... This is just absolutely insane. At the same time as the publications claim, uh, but over a period of more than 12 hours <laughs> on that day of June 2nd, uh, between 10.30 a.m. and 11 p.m. to be exact. So the video that we saw on TikTok was sped up. No one said that the video that people saw was in real time of those smoke plumes. Yes, it was a time lapse that was released. But hello, it all happens at the same time. Those smoke plumes happen across the entire province all at the same time. The, over, <laughs> the only question... Over 12 hours. Sorry. Over 12 hours. Well, the smoke rises over 12 hours. But it all starts rising simultaneously. The 12-hour clock started at the same time for all of these different fires. She just she just weaved a web of nonsense and called it the truth.
and presented it. <laughs> See? Look how good I am. That is nonsense. She confirms the post. <laughs> she confirms it. And she takes the confirmation and uses it as a debunking. Well, it's been totally debunked. That is impressive. That is impressive. So I have to say, I'm uh, when I first saw that clip of all the smoke rising at the same time, I thought to myself, well, how, how do we know if that's real? I didn't immediately accept that as, oh, my gosh, conspiracy, conspiracy fa- fact, conspiracy fact. Um, I My instinct was to kind of doubt it. Or not doubt it, but be suspicious until it can be confirmed. She confirmed it. I now completely believe it. That was... The only question now, if they have incredibly poor forest management and it's a tinderbox, I could see where you have a violent lightning storm that comes through and and ignites a bunch of fires in a row. And it might not be absolutely synchronous, but pretty close enough that by satellite it would all look identical. Or it could be uh, arson, uh, drones with, uh, with incendiary devices. And I, I don't think that that should be discounted because we're at war. That's an inflammatory idea. Right. <laughs> but so I just wanted to make sure to confront your conspiracy theory. All right. Well, let me confront you. Turn yours. it into a conspiracy fact. <laughs> it's then a conspiracy fact. Allow me to confront yours. But I think we should wait and make people wait for it. Because oh, why? You want to get paid? Because it's that time. Is that, that what you? Yeah, it's that time. <laughs> That's right. It is that time. It's that time when we tell everybody how it is that we are able to keep the lights on because we don't have corporate sponsorship, do we, Jeremy? No, we do not. Well, not that I know of. We do not. <laughs> uh, I have not, I promise you, I have not taken any corporate sponsorship. Um, No, we don't have corporate sponsorship because we are talking about things that you cannot talk about if you have corporate sponsorship. And that's why we have citizen sponsorship. We run this program using something called the value for value model. It's very simple. If you feel that you are getting value from the broadcast, from what you're listening to, from the podcast, uh, then please return value to the podcast so that we can keep doing it. And there are a number of ways to return value to the podcast. Jeremy, what are those ways? The first way, and one of the most important ways, is to share the show. We need yeah. the show <gasps> to be shared. We were, such, we were in such a hurry, we forgot to tell people to share the show at the beginning of the show. Share the show, and rate the show, and leave a comment. That's right. Comments. And write us at Positive ratings. And we definitely love to hear from you. We like to have the emails uh, in hand to read on the show uh, rather than even, uh, you know, going and finding them. But it is helpful to other people, uh, I think, for sure, if you rate and review the show wherever you're able to in the places that you listen to it because that helps people who haven't heard the show or somebody that gets the show sent to them. Uh, you know, they can see the reviews and say, yeah, this is something I want to give a try. I want to try listening to this show. And without those types of reviews, they might say, eh, I'm going to go listen to, you know, something less important. So, 
uh, I, you know what? That is an incredibly important thing to do. Sharing the show is paramount. Do you know what else is incredibly important is when people send us content, Jeremy. But actually, listen to this. This is this came to me from Big D and A Z. We haven't heard from him in a long time. Big D, yeah. I was worried. I was worried he was man overboard, but no, he is still with us. And he sent me. You remember what was the title of our last episode? Um, Unbanked. Oh, that was unbanked. unbanked, right? Unbanked. And so he sent this. I don't know if it was because of Unbanked, but it's directly related. You may have seen this. Nigel Farage, the leader of Brexit, had his bank account, bank accounts shut down after 43 years. But actually, truth is, I'm not full of the joys of spring. I've been living with something for the last couple of months. That may well fundamentally affect my future career going on from here and whether I can even stay living in this country. I have been with the same banking group since 1980. I've had my personal accounts with them since that date and my business accounts right through the 1990s when I worked in the city of London and in recent years too. I'm with one of the subsidiaries of this big banking group, one with a very prestigious name, but I won't name them just yet. I got a phone call a couple of months ago to say, we are closing your accounts. I asked why. No reason was given. I was told a letter would come which would explain everything. The letter came through and simply said, we are closing your accounts. We want to finish it all by a date, uh, which is around about now. But actually, truth is, I'm not full of the joys of spring. Nigel Farage was unbanked. He was Laura Loomard. They're coming for you. And that comes to us from Big DNA Z. That's, uh, you know, incredibly important to have people send us content uh, because that helps. Uh, I didn't have to go look for this. It was very easy to get this ready. I knew we were going to be talking about how we make this show work. And I figured, well, that's the perfect time to play it. Uh, That's so critical when people send us content. Maybe we should open a bank. <laughs> uh, you know, that's not a bad idea, but I would hope that we would get bought out eventually by the Fed. Isn't that the move? That's the golden parachute? We could call it Unbank. It'd be the UN Bank. Unbank. We have to become too big to fail, though, Jeremy, or they will, they'll eat us up. For everybody that gets unbanked, you can unbank over here with us. Well, mm. I don't know. Think about it. I don't know if I, I can't. I don't want to be a banker. I don't want to be a teller. <laughs> I don't want to be a teller. I just want the big office in the back. I want to be a podcaster. We could do the banker. podcast from the bank. <laughs> <laughs> we could build a studio. Okay. Uh, yeah. Anyways, yes, so, I agree. Truth at truthbait.com. Truth, truth at truthbait.com. Very helpful when you send us links. And as I said previously, even if it's something we don't get to, please keep sending them. It's better for us to have more to choose from. Uh, that makes it easier for us to get prepared and, and ready for the show. Which, uh, did you have any others? Because I have a clip that also comes to us. 
from executive producer Ann, which ties back into the segment we jumped out of. Go for it. So you uh, were debunking my conspiracy theories, were you? Wait, I just want to real quick to end that segment. Are we ending that segment? Yeah. Okay. This is what I'm going to do to end the segment. Cha-ching. We got and a re- now we move on. Yeah, we got a real cha-chinger here from executive producer Anne. If you'd been... If you had been one of the people driving around in your car wondering, what is all of this smoke really about? Or where did it really all come from? Or who lit those fires? Or are they even from fires at all? Take a listen to this, which comes from executive producer Anne. And this is a guy in Georgetown. And I don't know if this will comfort you or you'll just throw it out the window as conspiracy. Over, we can induce a number of neuromicrobiological agents to then incur something called high morbidity. These are not necessarily mortal agents. We can modify the existing palette of bacteria and viruses through the use of gene editing techniques, very viable. This has been some of my ongoing work with my colleague, Diane Deulis at National Defense University. This is James Giordano, PhD, discussing the capabilities the U.S. military already has in relation to neuroweapons. Does he have a, he has a PhD also- like, our first, like our first lady has? Does she have a PhD? Yeah, she's a doctor. A FUD. She's Dr. Jill Biden. All right, so it's this is jumping into the middle of his talk, but there's some pretty creepy stuff here. Over, we can induce a number of neuromicrobiological agents to then incur something called high morbidity. These are not necessarily mortal agents. We can modify the existing palette of bacteria and viruses through the use of gene editing techniques, very viable. This has been some of my ongoing work with my colleague, Diane Deulis at National Defense University. And what we can also do is recognize that there are existing microbiologicals that can be harnessed to then induce the effects. We can also engage certain chemicals that way. What we want here is a morbidity factor, not necessarily a mortality factor. I want to make people sick. And what I do here is the virus is not necessarily the bug. The virus is what I put over the internet. Let me show you how I can crash a system pretty easily. I affect key individuals here, here, and here. And then I take another community in the back of the room. I affect key individuals there. And then I take another community. I affect key individuals there. And then I do what every good attributional group does. I beat my chest and take credit for it. And what I put out over the internet is, this is a virus, a bacteria, an agent that I have infiltrated into your fill-in-the-blank. I say it's a weapon of mass destruction, and what I tell you it's going to do is it's going to produce paranoia, anxiety, and sleeplessness. What I've just done is I've recruited every paranoid hypochondriac to think that they have whatever that is. I've used salient and sentinel cases, and I create essentially a legion of what's known as the worried well. They now flood emergency rooms. They flood their clinicians. The CDC responds back and says, no, 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 there is no such a thing. And I've created a schism of trust between the population and the polis. It's both a short and a long war's effect. 
Moreover, I can create particular neuromicrobiologicals that may have a much longer duration of action, for example, modified Zika virus. And what I can then do is, as a consequence of that, is I can affect subsequent generations who incur a public health morbidity and mortality effect that then creates an increased economic and perhaps social burden. Long war scenario. If I wanted to do something that's a little bit more proximate, I can utilize nanoparticulate matter. Now, we can utilize... Now, you heard them talking about nanoparticulates with the smoke, didn't you? Have you heard that? Well, there's, there are nanoparticulates with everything, aren't there? <laughs> I mean, isn't dust a nanoparticulate? Uh, the, I would imagine there'd be a lot of stuff in just even if it were just a regular forest fire. It would be f- filled with things you wouldn't want to breathe. Yeah, right. But like nanoparticles, that's something that's come out now with the forest fire smoke. That was something that was also, isn't that also with the... Uh, with the uh, COVID vaccine? Are they yes, talking about nanoparticles yes. in that or nano something? Well, they were talking it? about how many, it was like the, the virus itself was like five microns. So I, I don't know if that qualifies as a nanoparticle, but uh, like aerosolized virus delivery, I believe, is nanoparticle. Uh, okay, so anyways, here's some more. As nanoscience to create much better drugs to get them where they got to go in the brain. I can create nanoscience and nanotechnology to be able to escort certain drugs across the proliferant barrier, which is the blood-brain barrier and blood cent- uh, cerebrospinal fluid barrier. So I get these things where they got to go. But I can also utilize nanoparticulate matter in a very indiscriminate way. The idea here is that I can get something called high CNS aggregation material that is essentially invisible to the naked eye and even to most scanners because it is so small that it selectively goes through most levels of filter porosity. These are then inhaled either through the nasal mucosa or absorbed through the oral mucosa. They have high CNS affinity. They clump in the brain or in the vasculature, and they create essentially what looks like a hemorrhagic diathesis, in other words, a hemorrhage predisposition or a clot predisposition in the brain. What I've done is I've created a stroking agent. Does this sound like a nice guy? (laughs) He's really like, (laughs) yeah, right. He's like really nice and he's cheerful about it. He's like Stephen King's writing partner. Right. Uh, The, okay, that's all nice and, and well and good. But the question is, does anybody have any evidence of this happening right now in relationship to these fires? No, not necessarily. I don't think so. So what he's just doing what he's talking about. What he's talking about there is he's he's enlisting all of the thank you. <laughs> he's enlisting all of the uh what is it the the worried well. Yes. He's panicking people. <laughs> yes. You are understanding. Listen, it right, gets well, worse. What is happening is they're they're taking advantage of a disaster and Right. There still is the giant question mark of how did this happen in the first place? Right. And is it that, just poor management or is it arson? We, and we that's still what, don't know yet. And to them, it doesn't matter. No. And that's what I was saying, too, though. Is, have you noticed any of like the propaganda going around like on Twitter where, you know, it's like people going in and out of their garages, testing the levels. All of a sudden, they're poisoning us. That, they're no. poisoning us with formaldehyde. And, you know, it's a lot of these types of things going on. Now, this video comes out of Georgetown with this PhD. He's the chief 
uh, the Department of Neurology and Biochemistry, the Chief of Neuroethics Studies Program, and leads the subprogram in military medical ethics of the Pellegrino wow. Center He's- of the Pellegrino Center for Clinical Bioethics, among many other roles, too numerous to list, according to this uh, tweeter. <laughs> he sounds a little spooky, Jeremy. Right. Listen. He sounds spooky to me. Yeah, listen. I'm not saying he is a spook. I'm just saying he sounds spooky. So listen to this. And it's very, very difficult to gain attribution to do that. I can use that on a variety of levels, from the individual to the group. Highly disruptive. And in fact, this is one of the things that has been entertained and examined to some extent by my colleagues in NATO and to those who are working on the use of neurobiological sciences to create populational disruption. Very, very worried about the potential for these nanoparticulate agents to be CNS aggregating agents to cause neural disruption, either as hemorrhagic and vascular disruptors or as actual neural network disruptors because they interfere with the network properties of various neural nodes and systems within the brain. Then I get to the area of devices. And This, in many ways, is going to be less than definitive. The reason for this is, this is highly evolving and I think is limited only in certain cases by context of imagination. What are the devices? Well, I have them here for you here. You have neurosensory mobilizing agents. And to some extent, some of these have already been used. Uh, Things like high-output sensory stimulators that can be administered from unmanned vehicles, drones, insect-borne, or uh, larger-scale, macro-scale vehicles. Did you hear that one? Insect- How have they already been used? Insect-born? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, haven't they been using insects to spread disease for many years? Yeah. I guess now. Uh, this guy is just, I don't understand why, what, yeah, what's, so this guy is just inciting panic. He's just out there stoking fear. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, but you know what, though? He's not the only one. Like I said, Jeremy, we have the worst air quality in the world. Did you hear that? Have you yeah. been hearing that out yeah, there? Everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. This is from Milwaukee. Milwaukee has the worst air quality in the world, which I'll show you. Bad air. Right now, hundreds of thousands in Milwaukee exposed to some of the worst air in the world. This is WTMJ4, NBC, in Milwaukee. It's thanks to smoke from wildfires in Canada pouring back into southeast Wisconsin. Karen Lemke was out for a walk at Humboldt Park. Just like five minutes ago, looked at my cell phone and noticed that uh, the air quality is at 159, which is in the unhealthy range. And I happen to have a mask in my pocket. She's walking around. She has a mask in her pocket. She doesn't think to put the mask on because of the smoke around her. (laughs) It's when her phone tells her that it's time. (laughs) That's when it's time to put the mask on. That's amazing that she's that trained to her phone, that the real world experience that she's having, that doesn't inform her what to do. It's her phone prompting her. Use them. It's the perfect time to pull those back out. Yeah, he's talking about the masks. Use them. It's the perfect time to pull those back out. Langston Verdeen founded MKE Fresh Air Collective. They've installed air quality monitors across the city. So you were talking about uh, conspiracy videos online where people are going out and they're they're taking uh, 
read air quality readings outside of their garage. This is a whole business that's sponsored by the government. This entire segment from uh, TMJ4 in Milwaukee is basically an advertisement for this guy's service. Air Collective. They've installed air quality monitors across the city. They tell us uh, what the air quality is in real time, and right now, unsurprisingly, it's bad. The MKE Fresh Air Collective has 10 monitors across the city. With an app called Air Visual, you can find the monitor closest to your home and even receive notifications on when the air quality gets better or worse. Everybody take part in the surveillance. <laughs> that's where that's where you're saying is that these universities are churning out the next slaves, but the people are willingly walking into bondage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel terrible for Milwaukee having the worst air quality in the world. Except for Chicago, apparently. Here in Chicago, we now have what is considered the worst air quality in the world. That means that people from specific groups, children, teens, older adults, and people with heart and lung diseases should be avoiding any activities outside. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the battle for the worst air quality in the world. Will it be Chicago? Will it be Milwaukee? Will it be Indiana? Tonight, the air quality right now in Indianapolis is among the worst air quality that's being recorded (laughs) in the world today. (laughs) Your PhD is a piker compared to our national media. (laughs) This is unbelievable. All of these cities have the worst air quality in the world. Here, let me add polar wind to that. I'm glad I wasn't in any of those cities. (laughs) Jeremy, I guarantee you, wherever you are, it is the worst air quality in the world. Just saying. Something is afoot. <laughs> they are taking these wildfires, uh, however they were started, and they are using them to their advantage to instill fear, to stoke conspiracy theories, yeah. and to uh, and to push the global warming, climate change cult narrative. Totally, it's uh, good times. Did you wear but, a, did you wear a mask at all? <laughs> no, I I'm telling you, I stayed at home and I opened up my windows. <laughs> I, you know, I, I I normally I live in Chicago. And uh so f- for where I'm staying in Wisconsin, I can it, to me the smoke is like an improvement still. It's like fresh air. You walk out in the morning you're like, "Ah, the great outdoors. Fresh air." <laughs> Sit outside, so get I a tan. I didn't mind it at all. I really didn't mind it. And I realized that th- there is there is a visual <clears throat> component to it. Your brain tricks you. When you see the haze, you begin to react physically. But yes. I don't think it's. I don't think it's real. I, no, I think, right. I mean, I That's think that there definitely all, is a lot of real reaction occurring. It's all a I'm very, saying, very big. But there, there are some good parts of this that are like real psyop too. You know, like then with stuff like this, because like with 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 this PhD guy and the videos uh, on Twitter and stuff, and then you go outside and you're outside for a little while and you're seeing like out here in the country, you're seeing for miles and miles and miles this hazy smoke you've never seen before and you just start thinking like 
Am I breathing okay? Right. You're driving down the freeway and it's everywhere. Make sure you put the recirculate on the air conditioner, you know, so you're not pumping the air right into your face through the vent, pumping the smoke right into your right into your car. <laughs> yeah. It, it, you see it and your eyes begin to water, but I you know, and I know I I'm, I'm, I know it's psychological. I mean, it's happening to me. I I know it's psychological. <laughs> no, but I also know that 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 it is, you know, if you're out in it, and for a prolonged period of time, or if you're, you know, breathing heavy, if you're, you know, exercising or working out in it, yeah, well, then you are, that's not psychological. You're probably really experiencing it. I have uh, a the- uh, quick takeaway from an intelligence analyst that I know, and you caught right. on to some of the exact stuff he caught on to with this video oh. from Georgetown. I like, uh, well, I like this guy. Uh, the key takeaway. He smart. It's an op. He gives it away during his talk, even if the tech he describes isn't actual now, it is. He's literally doing what he's describing by giving the talk and allowing it to be distributed. It presents the very real question of, the, is the U.S. government funding that specific research, which is against the Geneva Convention and other treaties? And if so, to what end? That he's from Georgetown is also a giveaway. The inclusion of NATO partners is meant as much as a threat as it is to assure people. That we watch something like that and even give it any credibility, plausibility at all, indicates how deep and troubling our current environment is. And I thought that was a good summary of... uh, what that type of video is or could be. Are we sure? How do we know that this smoke is not all coming from Koran burnings? <laughs> <laughs> there was a major Koran burning incident in Sweden. The whole the whole Muslim world is now on fire, and that could be the smoke that we're getting. Is that I saw the headlines now that the smoke reached Europe from Canada. <laughs> from Did you see Cor- that from the Quran? No, no, oh, from, from, the, not from. I saw a headline that the year that the the Canada wildfire smoke has reached Europe. This is some amazing smoke. <laughs> this is some pervasive smoke, right? Like what's in those trees up there? But maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was. Uh, maybe maybe, maybe it's the Korans. What is going to be left of you know Canadian forests by the time this is done? If it's going to burn all summer, this that's is, why the bears be are in southern Wisconsin burning. now. Did you hear? There's that's bears. Right. Yeah, southern yeah. Wisconsin. Yeah. There have been three bear sightings right by my house. Have you sighted? Have you seen any Koran burnings? Here's the Koran burning. Roger's footage shows the moment a man set fire to a copy of the Quran, Islam's holy text, in Stockholm on Wednesday. An event sparking diplomatic anger from Turkey that may put Sweden's bid to join NATO at risk. It was part of a protest outside the Swedish capital's central mosque, staged at the start of the Muslim holiday of Eid al-Adha. Hundreds watched as two men ripped up the text, wiped their shoes with it, and draped bacon on its pages. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> wow uh 
it's I can see where that would be triggering to Muslims. The the hundreds of people that were that were watching furiously, they were all reporters. Literally, all everyone watching <laughs> yeah. is somebody with a giant camera in their hands. It's all media yeah. that are surrounding these guys as they do it. It's this like is a completely photo. staged event. It's like that Pulitzer Prize winning photo you took at the uh, at the inauguration. Uh, demonstrations against Trump when they lit the garbage can on fire, the Antifa lit the garbage can on fire, and you took the most brilliant, one of the most brilliant news photos I've ever seen in my life. Is all it is is a garbage can knocked over on the on the street, and somebody lit some paper inside the garbage can, and you got a photo of the paper burning in the garbage can, and literally thirty. Media photographers and camera crews circling around the garbage can, <laughs> filming it, Everybody and taking getting pictures their dramatic of it, shot. getting their dramatic <laughs> shot for the news. <laughs> and that happens at every one of those. <laughs> really, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a completely staged event, but this is this has major international implications for setting it alight. Police later charged the man with agitation against an ethnic or national group. However, there was already anger that the protest had been given permission to go ahead in the first place. So they they let the they let the the Koran burning happen, and then they arrested him for doing it. It was this was say this was a sanctioned event. Everybody knew about it. That's why there were hundreds of media there. It this was not uh, a mystery that it happened. The incident led to diplomatic fallout than included from allies like the United States. The um, uh, burning of uh, religious texts is uh, disrespectful and hurtful. Uh, and uh, what might be legal uh, is uh, certainly not necessarily uh, appropriate. Oh, I'm so happy that they found their moral compass because apparently when it comes to the Sisters for per- Perpetual Indulgence, being honored by the MLB, that's, you know, that's praiseworthy. Our government was completely silent for that. Silence is consent. But for this, I mean, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Mm-hmm. It's not like, hey, if they had if they had burned a Bible, that would, that would be okay. You could do that. After another protest in Stockholm had also burned the Koran in January, Turkish Prime Minister Recep Tayyip Erdogan said the country would not support Sweden's NATO application. And that's what this is about. Well, that's what this is half about. This is these guys who did this. I guarantee you, I don't know, I don't have information to this effect, but I can promise you they were paid by either Turkey or some other faction that doesn't want uh, Sweden to join the uh, doesn't want them to join NATO. NATO. Yeah, that's that's what this is all about. And uh, again, I'm sorry, that's what this is half about. And I'll get to what the other half is about. We support freedom of association, the right of peaceful assembly. This is again from the uh, U.S. State Department. We support freedom of association, the right of peaceful assembly uh, as elements of any democracy. 
but just as uh, the Swedish prime minister said, um, burning books that are holy to many is uh, a deeply respectable, uh, disrespectful act. Wait a second. Wait, what? <laughs> what did he say? The Swedish prime minister said, um, burning books that are holy to many is uh, a deeply respectable, uh, disrespectful act. <laughs> I think he almost said that it's a deeply respectful act. You know, Freud would say that that's, that's the truth coming out. Said, um, burning books that are holy to many is uh, a deeply a disrespectful act. Uh, <laughs> and he made the point that what is legal is not necessarily appropriate. What is legal is not necessarily appropriate. So I think this is a two-pronged attack. The first is uh, an attack on Sweden so that they don't join NATO or gives Turkey you know, some sort of narrative breathing room to say, oh, we can't support this now, you know. And uh, the other is the push against freedom of speech, freedom of expression. That's uh-huh. what's, that's the villain here. It's not these guys. The villain is freedom of speech. Yeah. It is. And then this gentleman makes, this is a, a Muslim, makes a very uh, interesting point of comparison. In Sweden, you can burn this book, but don't you dare touch the Torah. A th- he was holding the Quran when he said you can burn this book. 34-year-old man has just been prevented by Swedish authorities from burning the Torah in Stockholm, Sweden, outside the Israeli embassy. Now, the man in question has made it very clear that he's not in favor of burning any scripture and he's only proposing to burn the book to spark a debate. Now, although his intended plans will not be going ahead after the Swedish government and the Jewish community stepped in, the entire situation has left us scratching our heads. I mean, it was just last week where Sweden gave full authority for Rasmus Paladin to burn the Quran outside the Turkish embassy in the very same city, all under police protection, government approval, and of course, a gigantic sum of taxpayer money funding the entire fiasco. So to me, that just proves it's absolutely planned. This is fake. Mm-hmm. They, they don't do the ones that don't serve their narrative, and they do the ones that do serve their narrative. He's basically saying that they have control over all of this. So yeah. yeah, I think it's it's used for political ends, and it's uh, used as an attack on freedom of expression. We can't have this freedom of expression. Look what's happening. It's ruining our international relations. Relations. We have to stop this. We can't let people do this. Nope. So. I don't know. I don't know if it's from the wildfires or if it's from uh, arson or if it's from Korans. I don't know. There's a lot burning. <laughs> it's causing global warming. So, uh, back to my theory. Hate to beat a dead horse. Not really. About my trump kennedy prediction oh yeah that you think that there's going to be a a trump kennedy ticket well whether there is or isn't i think it's the only way forward for both candidates and i think they know it also 
because these were a couple clips that came out this week. Did you hear them? Did you see them? I talked to you about it. You said you didn't. No, I did not. Okay. Well, here's first clip, Trump on Newsmax with Eric Bowling talking about Kennedy. RFK Jr. comes on and he puts this thing out over the weekend and he's jacked. He's in great shape. Did you see? Did you see that? Did you see how ripped I Kennedy did. is? RFK Jr. basically has gone uh, pornographic. Well, he's he gone Putin. Putting out video after video <laughs> of himself with his shirt off, working out, pumping iron. Look at what kind of shape I'm in. I know he's contrasting himself to the uh, uh, the Alzheimer's patient currently occupying the Oval Office, but. Uh, it is, it, there's something in my, from my opinion, it's a, it's a little bit distasteful. It could be. People might see it that way. I think he's, I think it's like, he's like, look, I'm just like Putin who goes around like a topless on a horseback <laughs> through the rivers of Russia. He's trying to get the, he, he's trying to aim for that suburban housewife. He's looking he's tough. Probably, frankly, he's, he's probably n- nailing it, nailing the target with well, that. And he's, but I'll tell you one thing he's doing is he's dispelling any sort of ideas of, or, or thoughts that he's somehow weak or incapable because of the voice thing he has going on. True. Yes. Yeah. Right, because the voice people are like, oh, I was that voice, to see that, that he was voice. in that kind of shape. Yeah, I could tell from the from the appearances he was doing that he was in good shape. You could tell. I you saw know, some pictures. You could see, but Jane, when I James didn't o- when that when, like that. when James O'Keefe first that whole thing happened with Project Veritas, he went out to California and took a photo of him hiking with J uh, with RFK. And Should the, we talk about the message I got from James? Oh, maybe I don't know. But the, the, <laughs> I the, don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't. The, I don't know if we should talk about that. The uh, he's not a corporate sponsor of ours, but <laughs> I am a little bit worried about <laughs> delivering that truth before it's time. <laughs> but but in that photo, you RFK was wearing like a really tight shirt, like a workout shirt, and you know they were hiking, so like. He's wearing like athletic clothes and he looked ripped in that. So I wasn't so surprised to see this, but I think it does like it, it shows something like, you know, forget about the voice problem he has. He's a tough guy. Right. Anyways. Yep. And he's yeah. 69 years old. Talk to us a little bit about do you think you will face Joe Biden in, in a general election in 2024? I don't know whether or not he makes it to the gate. Um, I don't. I really can't tell you that. That's really the question. Will he make it to the starting gate? Uh, he obviously there's some. He's got some problems, some very big problems, physically, mentally. I don't know. I mean, you tell me. Is he going to make it to the starting gate? But you know, they'll come up with somebody. I will say RFK Jr., who I've known not very well, but I've known for a while, and I respect him. A lot of people respect him. He's got some. Uh, some very important points to be made. No, he's a respected person. Should, he's a should they debate? 22, I saw just now. Should, should they debate, and sir? That's a lot for somebody that came in with absolutely no chance of winning. Should they debate? So, it's kind of interesting, right? I mean, and I early on, Kennedy was criticizing Trump and a, and a bunch of the COVID stuff that happened because that's you know, one of Kenny's big deals is 
the vaccine and the way COVID was handled, but even the way that he had criticized Trump in that scenario was kind of in a respectful way. It wasn't like this guy's Hitler, like everybody else says. Um, so I saw that one, and then I saw this one, like, I don't know, yesterday or two days ago came out. And this is Kennedy. My father was able to harness these populist energies. In the last day of his life, he won the most rural state in this country, South Dakota, and the most urban. He was able to bridge the divide among people who would otherwise be Republican, but wanted somebody who was common sense, who was able to appeal to their idealism, who was able to find the hero in each of them, who was able to get them to transcend narrow self-interest and see themselves as part of a community and part of this, you know, incredible American adventure in, in modeling self-governance for the rest of the world. And so I'm proud that President Trump likes me, even though I don't agree with him on most of his issues. I'm, because I don't want to alienate people. I want to bring people together. I'm proud that all these people like me and that I have independent supporters and Democratic supporters and that I'm able to bring a lot of people. You know, every Democrat says, I want to end the polarization. But how do you do that without talking to people who don't agree with you? How do you do that without appealing to people, without the per my purpose is to find the issues, the values that we have in common, rather than, you know, focus on the issues and the personalities but that keep us all apart. As a lifelong Democrat, as you just said very passionately, will you pledge to support whoever the Dom Democratic nominee is, wh whoever it is? Whether They're doing the same thing they did to Trump. <laughs> we can't want to make him right. promise to support their scumbag. Whether it's you, whether it's President Biden. Oh, I, of course I'm not going to do that. I'm not, not going to do that. No, of course I'm not. I'm not I so listen. if you don't get the nomination, you won't support President Biden? I don't know what I'll do. Let's see how the Demo Let's see what happens in this campaign. Let's see, you know, what if if people are living up to Democratic values and having debates and having discussions and, you know, talking yeah, to each other. Yeah, that's the big one, the debates. Right. And that's it, it, why would he sign on to support anybody in an organization that refused to debate him? Right. And Trump at the I cut it short, but the end of Trump's clip, he said, I don't think Biden will ever debate Kennedy. I don't think he'll debate anybody. Well, that's not yeah, because I think you Trump Trump may not want to debate DeSantis or anybody else in his field, especially because he's so far ahead. Why would you debate if you're so far ahead? I don't think Trump should debate any of them. Well, that's what I'm saying. That, that he doesn't narratively want to be, want to answer the question, saying that Kennedy should should that Kennedy and Biden should be should debate, because then it's well, then you should debate too. Yeah, but he's saying it in the in a sense that Biden can't debate that he's incompetent. Right. No, to his debate. answer is extremely. His his answer is very good. Right. It's a very good answer yeah. to give. You then clever. support a Republican uh, or run as an independent? Uh, you know what? My plan is to win this election, and I don't have a plan B. <laughs> I, love, I love this guy. This guy's great. He, 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 uh, I saw a Well, since there's no Republican Party, I mean, why not entertain I saw, for him? I saw a speech he was giving uh, like a week or two ago, and I only saw the very beginning of it. But he just got up on stage and started talking and telling a story. And it's just like, man, I kind of really don't care what p 
positions he has because he's like a human. It's like a normal person. He is, he is but he taught, I'm sorry, uh, he talks so much, like you said. He talks yeah. too much, yeah. I think. But I, Especially but with as hard as it is to listen to his voice. But I'm telling you, the way they're, they're doing a dance right now that I think is is a mutual understanding that whether they've ever talked about it or not, I don't know, I can't say. But I think they're demonstrating a mutual understanding for a very clear recognition that their combined force might be what's required. I believe is required to win. And I think they see it. If that happens, if that were to happen, I'm not sure I would go to any of their live events because I think that (laughs) having Kennedy as VP would be inviting assassination of Trump and then Kennedy becoming president would invite assassination of Kennedy. I just, it it could all snowball out of control. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, listen, but like when you listen to stuff, you know, I talk to people, I, I know a lot of people that are very, very conservative, very, and they really like Kennedy. But then they're like, yeah, Yeah, but, you know, like, yeah, but, you know, but what did he say about this? Or what does he say about that? And I'm like, you know what? I'm tuning those things out. I don't have to, just like he just said, I don't have to agree with everything he says. Like he's, he's anti-war. He's, 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 he's a problem for, for this machine. And the reason I believe it is because he actually speaks without reading a written speech drafted by speech writers to appease, you know, polling uh, statistics or polling data. You know, yeah, so. see, I'm 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 torn, Jeremy. I think that he is I think the machine is more terrified of him than they are of Trump because they know how to, to deal with Trump. And uh but I feel that Trump was cheated out of his election. He won, it was stolen from him, and he is owed his second term. So it's a t- I the the combo ticket would definitely be a no-brainer. Uh but you like you know, also like I said. There's no Republican Party, really. Everybody who is conservative, for the most part, everyone with a brain has recognized that the party doesn't exist. It's controlled opposition. It is the establishment. It will never deliver what the conservative base wants. Well, And so why not look at Kennedy? Kennedy is a real alternative just the, the way Trump was the, Trump wasn't a conservative coming up he wasn't he wasn't a republican he was he hung out with all the liberals he hung out with the entire elite crowd the, so well i think there's about disruption the the there the party is a party the republican party is there and it's there to defeat you and yes. <laughs> thank you yeah you know, i wouldn't That's say there right. is no republic but I, i'm at the point I'm at the point where I, well, I'm yeah. not voting for any of them. The last Republican I ever vote for will be Trump if he's still in the race as a Republican when it comes down to the election day. And if, and if he's not for some reason, I'll roll with Kennedy over any other Republican there is in the race. Absolutely. No question. No yeah, question I'm there about with you too. it. I am. I am done. Yeah. They... 
that party needs to be completely destroyed. It does not need to be rebuilt. Well, you know, it's I've I have said for a long time that the best way to destroy the Democratic Party would be to destroy the Republican Party first, <laughs> because right. without the boogeyman, I'm not sure the Democratic Party can exist. Right. Uh, the The Republican Party though has done a very good job of marginalizing itself among those who would support it. The same way American corporations have marginalized themselves from away from the people who have would typically support them. That's why Disney's losing billions of dollars. Uh, but the, uh, you know, you you started, I think you started that out talking about vaccines, right? Oh, I think I mentioned it. I mentioned uh, Kennedy's, you know, it's kind of one of his big, his big ticket items. Well, I don't know if you saw, yeah, Twitter, this is what's amazing about Twitter, Jeremy. You can't trust anything that you're seeing on Twitter because Twitter is has amped up the the stoking the 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 provo- the provocation of its of its viewers in your feed you're seeing stuff that is just absolutely designed to push your buttons to infuriate you and you know it's a classic technique and they're selling they're selling ads by doing it they're getting you know they're they're exciting their ba- they're exciting their 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 uh consumers they are uh keeping people engaged through fury and one of the ways they're doing it is by regurgitating clips that are some of them are years old uh so i don't know how old this is but like you'll see topics like so you know suddenly vaccines and covid vaccines are like being injected back into the narrative. This is from Steve Kirsch. Steve Kirsch was uh, heavily censored during COVID for his counter-narrative opinions on the vaccine. And it turns out everything he was saying was true. Uh, so now people listen to him because he was he was right on uh, most of the time early on. So uh, the Amish are a perfect example. They're talking about... This is actually interesting. It's not about the COVID vaccine. This is about the connection between autism and other health ailments and vaccines in general. So uh, the Amish are a perfect example of a uh, large uh, group of people who are uh, largely unvaccinated. And there's no autism. We can't find an autistic kid who was unvaccinated. It's very, very rare in the Amish community. Very, very rare. You won't find kids with ADD, with autoimmune disease, with panda pans, with epilepsy. You just don't find any of these chronic diseases in the Amish. And you know, the U.S. government has been studying the Amish for decades. But there's never been a report out to the public. The reason, of course, is it would, it would show that, oh, if you don't follow our guidelines, you're going to end up healthier. That's why there's no report after decades of studying the Amish there's no report because the report would be devastating to the narrative. It would show that the CDC has been harming the public for decades and saying nothing and burying all the data. So I don't know when that's from, but that's that's pretty interesting mm-hmm. that you can't find any of these things in the Amish community or rarely. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if it's because of the vaccines. Maybe it is. Maybe it's something else environmental yeah, that I they're would not as, consuming. I would imagine there's a lot 
of stuff that we do in life and a lot of tools we use and a lot of foods we eat and drugs we take, you know, things that we do that uh, have been deemed normal, become normal, basically, for most of modern society. But getting to the bottom of it. Yeah, getting to the bottom of it, though, nobody seems really concerned about getting to the bottom of it. All they are concerned about is making sure it's not blamed on the advertisers. Yeah, right. <laughs> Don't blame the big pharma because no. that's it can't be that. Yeah, sure, we're an entire news organization. We have, uh, we're spending millions of dollars to uh, allegedly bring you the news, uh, but we can't get to the bottom of this beyond knowing that it is not our advertisers that are doing it. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, their advertisers, it could be anybody. It could be, they have big, big agriculture, big pharma, big everything. It could be any of them. They'll never get to the bottom of it. Then uh, Twitter also spit this one up. Uh, it's fascinating to watch Hollywood, people in Hollywood now talking more candidly. Like it's, you know, we. You and I talked about when, um, uh, who was it that went on uh, the late night show with Colbert and, 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 oh, it was uh, Jon Stewart went on Colbert and was the one who made it okay for everybody to talk about the narrative of the fact that the virus came from a lab. Up until that moment, it was, you're a conspiracy theorist if you Mm -hmm. think it came from a lab. And then it became obvious that it came from a lab. And so Jon Stewart goes on Stephen Colbert's show and clowns on the idea that anybody would consider that it didn't come from a lab. Right. And now there's more of it. This is with uh, Dana Carvey and... um, uh, Oh, gosh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, I miss COVID. I know. David Spade. Thank you. I'm sorry. I needed to hear his voice in order to remember who he was. <laughs> Dana Carvey and David Spade. So two SNL alums. Uh, comedy royalty. I miss COVID. I know. Dude, you know what I knew? There was trouble <laughs> when anyone that came to our country didn't have to get a vaccine. And I go, mm-hmm. if you're telling me I can't go to work, but everyone... Everyone coming in doesn't have to get one. I go, well, once we found out when Fauci said, okay, I'm sorry. If you've had two boosters and two vaccines, you can get and give COVID to another guy who's had five vaccines and four boosters. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between a vaccine and a booster? I don't know. It's just more vaccine, but booster sounds better. Anyway, a guy with 25 vaccines would get and give COVID to another guy with 25 (laughs) vaccines. That's why I'm introducing the daily 